The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Little Caesars has patented a pizza-making robot that can press out dough, apply sauce, add cheese and toppings, and then place the pizza in an oven. At this point, the only thing it can't do is smoke weed in the alley behind the store. Hey, now. Oh, my. What's up? Welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Yet another note from the world of technology there, courtesy of Seth Meyers. Was that Seth Meyers? Yes. We have a Stormy Daniels update for you. Oh, good. Is she going to bring down the White House? No. No. Hmm? No. So maybe. (laughs) Stay with us for that. And the post-truth world, what it means, and then some examples, and how interesting it is. Right now, though, please welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show, Mr. John Simpson, a a longtime and respected journalist who is now a consumer advocate for Consumer Watchdog. He uh, also was a watchdog overseeing the state of California's stem cell project, which is billions of dollars being spent for research, presumably for good, but you never know with giant state projects. Uh, John Simpson joins us now. Hello, John. How are you, sir? Very good. Thanks for having me this morning. Oh, it's our pleasure. So uh, we're we're talking to you today about overseeing technology and and uh, covering the break, as it were, and some breakthroughs, including self-driving cars, that sort of thing. Well, we all saw that. We we all reacted the same way yesterday when we got the news alerts on our phone that a self-driving car had run somebody over. We thought, whoa, this is really going to set back the whole self-driving car thing. Do you think it's going to? 
Well, I, I, you know, people who followed this have always sort of expressed the concern that this was going to happen uh, at some point. Um, well, obviously, it's I, inevitable. I, yeah, but look, uh, the, the real problem right now is that these ro- cars are being rushed onto the roads by the companies for their uh, interest in making profits and, you know, being able to have driverless Ubers. You don't have to pay a driver, right? that sort of thing. And, and the technology is not there yet. Uh, it, it is still being developed. And the most difficult aspect of this is having a car uh, that can always accurately anticipate what a human is going to do. Um, some people suggested it would be safer and easier if every one of the vehicles uh, was uh, driven by robot technology. Oh, of course. That, well, I th- I've always thought that that's inevitable. The only way it's going to work is if all the cars are self-driving cars and communicate with each other. If you have one human in the mix, it's going to make it way too complicated. I, I, I tend to share that view, and I think I think you may see applications at some point where you have a dedicated lane. Uh, I could see it going for trucks, say, between cities, but then when the vehicle came down into the city, a human would take it over. Um, but but right now, the, 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 the vision is that these cars will go anywhere and do anything that a human driver can do. Um, and, and, and the way it is being done, uh, I think, has demonstrably put people at risk. Arizona is a particular problem. They've been sort of a wild west where they haven't had any regulations uh, covering the safety standards at all, which is why Uber is testing there, which is why Waymo, Google's unit, is testing there. And compare that to California, where you up until now have had very strict rules about uh, uh, how you can test and the public reports that you have to file. And one of the reasons we know about the state of the technology is precisely the reports that California has, uh, has required. Interesting. Well, that seems to me the entire question. Is the technology street ready or is it liable to running people down? Uh, it, well, and how perfect do we need to be? That's what I wonder. Are we going to have a zero-tolerance right. policy for this? Given that, the inherent danger. That we yeah. don't have with humans. We allow a certain amount of human error. like Including uh, idiots behind the wheel. There are a lot of idiots, John. I don't know if you've noticed that. <laughs> are Indeed. We... I saw a couple of them on the road yesterday. Yeah. No, no doubt about that. Well, that, you know, that's something that's going to have to be determined through clear public debate and and clear transparency about the way the cars are programmed because you know if you you were just talking about a uh, you cited somebody talking about a, a robot pizza maker well you know if if that screws up it doesn't kill anybody if a robot car screws up it kills people that's a big difference i mean there's been a, there's been this philosophy among technologists put things out in beta mode try them out you know, that worked with Gmail, but it, that's a dangerous thing if you're doing it with a vehicle. That's a great and, line. <laughs> you know, one thing I've also wondered about self-driving cars, because I'm from the middle of nowhere, rural America. I guarantee you there's zero uh, interest in self-driving cars in rural America. There ain't nobody's going to do that. Whereas in big cities, everybody wants to do it. How are they going to work that out if they're going to try to force at some point uh, self-driving cars upon us all? Well, I think that's the kind of policy questions that really have to be uh, worked out through clear public debate. I mean, the thing I was just going to bring up, there are ethical decisions involved in these things. I mean, who is the, uh, the car programmed to kill? Does it put the safety of the occupants first, or does it put the safety of a pedestrian on the street first? 
And I think, you know, the guy who programs the car has to be completely honest about the kinds of decisions that are being made in that programming. And there need to be, you know, public agreed standards. Okay, it always puts the pedestrian first, for instance. Um, and, and we haven't had those kinds of ethical debates about these cars that need to happen. Were you surprised, or how do I phrase this? Should there be technology on board the car if uh, in the middle of the night, uh, in the middle of a block, somebody leaps out in front of the car? Um, they slam on the brakes and the person to... behind them hits them? That doesn't seem fair. Right, yeah. It, because uh, from what we understand, last night was the nightmare scenario. Some unstable person runs out in the middle of the road in the middle of the night. I don't, it's not clear exactly. Apparently, she was wa- walking a bicycle along the side of the road uh-huh. and sort of across the road. But, I, you know, yeah, I mean, I don't – that's that's the kind uh, – we don't know whether, whether it would have uh, – I mean, there was a test driver behind the wheel, and he did not take over. I don't know what that tells us. Yeah, and then that, and then that whole thing, if I have to sit there and monitor the whole thing, then I might as well drive. What, what am I getting out of this? Well, I mean, at this – Stage, yeah, I mean exactly. But at this stage, that's what they're trying to. I do. I want to be able to sleep or drink. And ultimately, that's not what, what they. <laughs> I want to be able to be sound asleep or drink while I'm in the car. Otherwise, it's of no use. John Simpson is a consumer advocate for Consumer Watchdog, overseeing technology in a variety of ways. Hey, uh, John, just real quickly, are you following the Cambridge Analytica thing and the whole Facebook thing? Because I know you're a privacy advocate. We're, we are extremely concerned about that. We think, frankly, that it has probably violated a uh, a standing uh, order from the FTC not to invade privacy. They had a, a consent agreement, and we and some other groups are finally in a complaint today with the Federal Trade Commission to ask them to enforce the law against them over this. Well, and of course, the mainstream media is making this all about Trump because everything has to be about Trump all the time. But this is a story more broadly, well, specifically about online privacy and Facebook, isn't it? Yeah, this is this is this is data being uh, this is not about Trump. This is about your data being taken and, and used uh, without you knowing about it in in and in, 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 in violation of of uh, policies that they had agreed to honor, which they apparently are not honoring, and they need to pay the consequences for it. Nothing to do whatsoever with with uh, uh, Trump, as far as I'm concerned. That's interesting. Is privacy just doomed? Yeah, it clearly is. Okay. I, no, I think I think if we speak out about it uh, and understand, I mean, there's sometimes trade offs. You know, if you've got a phone and you want to ask the, your your mobile phone. Um, uh, where where to go for a restaurant? You've got to tell the the service where you are, so they can recommend the best one. Um, you're giving up some privacy when you do that, um, but you're getting something back. But you don't have to leave your phone in a mode that it tracks you everywhere you go, every step of the way. You can turn that you know tracking that geolocation on or off. So I, I think people need to be more educated about what is being uh, gathered about them. And and they should have control over um, uh, whether and how that information is gathered and used. And in fact, there's going to be a ballot initiative probably this year in California that would would uh, uh, give some people some real serious protection around those rights. Well, that'll be interesting to follow, and perhaps we'll uh, chat again about it. John Simpson, consumer advocate for Consumer Watchdog. John, a pleasure to talk. Thanks uh, for the time. Thank you. You got it. Hey, listen, it, it strikes me we could go right into. Uh, a great feature I saw 
about um, what your phone is doing in terms of tracking you and communicating back to the mothership way beyond what I thought, and I thought I knew. Mm, good. We got that available next. We've got way okay. too much material and, today. We've got to yeah. stay until noon. And we haven't gotten into the Cambridge Analytica, Analytica story that's out today because they got that undercover video where they pitched to somebody the idea of uh, sending hot chicks over to a political candidate. Oh, yeah. And filming them. And using it to blackmail them. That, now they we're were talking. They were into that business too, and that's not like high tech. That's low tech. That's been around for a thousand years or longer. Now they're claiming that was hyperbole, but it's hot, hot hyperbole. Stay with us. <laughs> Seriously, your cell phone is reporting everything you do to somebody or other. What you hear next will shock you. Our text line is four one five two nine five KFTC. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Got a girl from the south side. Got blazing hair. First time I've seen her walk by. And I about fell by my chair. We'll do a late-night joke-off a little bit later. We got more in this whole Cambridge Analytica thing that I still can't quite wrap my head around what's going on there. Um, it's, a, it's, it's an exciting story. And we need to get to the whole post-truth world thing, uh, just because once you become aware of it, it's really interesting, the strategies of it. It's just it's it's a world where nobody even advocates for the truth. or I mean, they claim to all the time, but they're not. But anyway, uh, more on that to come. I just thought this was a perfect time after our conversation with John Simpson. He's talking a Simpson, little bit. Simpson, eh? Simpson, he was the least funny Simpson yet. I like the cut of his jib. Um, he, uh, you know, he mentioned turning off your geolocation on your cell phone, et cetera, et cetera. An alert I listener who I will give uh, credit to in a moment or two, but if I click over there, it'll make this go away. But anyway, they sent this video to us. It's an investigation on the Fox News uh, a while back, and I do have the power, the mighty power to pause it as needed, Jack, if you prefer. So listen to this, would you? We know that Google is tracking us. We agree to it when we set up our phones. So we wanted to figure out what exactly Google is learning about us throughout the day. So here's what we're going to do. We have two identical phones. The only difference between these two phones is this one is in airplane mode. Both of the phones lack a SIM card, and they haven't been set up to access any Wi-Fi networks. So for all intents and purposes, these phones have no connection to a data network. We're going to keep them with us throughout the day. And while I travel around D.C., we're going to figure out just what Google is finding out about me. So just so you're 100% solid on this, they are cell phones that are phones and only phones. They are not... Internet search, nothing. They're just functioning as phones. And in fact, one is in airplane mode, so it can't even do that. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm prepared to be shocked because I don't see how anybody would be getting any info from this phone. Jack. If you're not hooked up to the Wi-Fi or the cellular tower. Jack, you should, you should, you are, you you are, should sit down. You are hooked up to the cellular tower, obviously, because it's a phone. Let's find out okay. together. Our first stop, Sims Convenience Store, just outside our Fox Bureau, for a quick coffee. From there, we took a walk to the Capitol and took a quick walk around the Senate office buildings and then decided to hop in a car and head around town. Hello. We're going to the Children's Hospital, please. 
to run our tests, we had to do more than walk the block, so we took a tour around our nation's capital. First, due north to the Children's National Medical Center Hospital, then west to St. Albans School and the National Cathedral. Our tour around town was a 14-mile journey that lasted more than an hour. The entire time, the phones had no access to the Internet. Oh, my goodness. Not a Wi-Fi connection and not any cellular data service. It almost seemed quaint to assume that Google wouldn't even be able to collect data on me. Let's head back to the bureau, my friend. Ugh. That church is beautiful. Google's business model is simple. Collect data on its users and then use that data to sell targeted ads. It's a business model called surveillance capitalism. But does that critical data collection work even when your phones aren't connected? So we're back here at our Fox Bureau in DC and we've got both of our phones exactly how we left with them. The only difference really, I snapped a couple of bad selfies at the National Cathedral. <laughs> but otherwise they have stayed in my pocket for the entire day. So let's find out what they know. This is our man in the middle device. It's basically a Wi-Fi network that these phones are gonna to connect to once we turn their Wi-Fi on. It's going to pass data through it on the way to Google, but on the way, we're actually gonna get a copy of the same data that Google's gonna get. We'll be able to decrypt it and then find out where we've been throughout the day. Within minutes, the numbers rolled in. The phone that wasn't on airplane mode registered more than 100 locations, 130 activities, and even 152 barometric readings. As soon as it hooked up to our Wi-Fi, it transmitted 300 kilobytes of data straight to Google. The phone even logged our exact locations, tracking us all around town, the Capitol, the hospital, the school, and the cathedral. Now you may notice what's missing here is the exact route that we took but it got that data too. It knows when I got out of the car. The metadata has a time log down to the very second, tracking everything when they think that you're walking, riding, and yes, even getting out of the car. Okay, so you're thinking, this isn't a big deal. I'll just put my phone in airplane mode. Yeah, we thought of that too. This is the other phone that we had with us that no SIM card also remained in airplane mode the entire time. Let's see what kind of data it captured. The phone with airplane mode activated actually logged more locations and activities than the other phone, and it also transferred hundreds of kilobytes of data to Google as soon as it was activated. The only thing that's missing from this map is our stop at the Children's Hospital, but it still knows we were there. There it is. Exiting vehicle, 100% accuracy. Through complicated user agreements and free software, Google gets users to sign away their privacy for nothing. They're even following you in the places that most people would expect total privacy. They mentioned the church and the hospital and that sort of thing. Right. So if one were to turn off all location services, would that defeat that? I mean, because, uh, you know, one obvious conclusion is even if you're in airplane mode, all it's doing is not transmitting the data. It's still collecting it. It's still figuring out where you were and what you did. I mean, to some extent, what you did. I mean, if you pleasured yourself on a street corner, all it knows you were on the street corner, um, for instance. Uh, but it knew when you were on foot, knew when you were in a vehicle, et cetera, and transmitted all of that to Google. Yeah, some uh, tech person uh, texted yesterday that the, the only thing you can do is have your phone completely off. That's the only way you can keep information from being out there. But like I said yesterday, it's, the courts are going to have to rule on, is that even a reasonable expectation in the modern world to not have a smartphone and not have it on? I mean, just if if you can't really even live that way. Like our guest just said, well, you have a choice. You know, it's a choice you're making. Well, kind of. It's kind of a choice, but it's 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 
It's not that much of a choice to not have a smartphone and exist in the modern world. And, and, and that will decrease, that decreases every day, the idea that you can exist and, and succeed in the modern world without a smartphone on and with you. A free market solution would be consumer pressure makes these companies change their policies. I don't think that's going to happen because most people don't care right. that they're being surveilled constantly. So, uh, you know, I would hope a, a service would arise, you know, privacy phone. Maybe it has already. Uh, and in fact, it probably has, but it's probably, you know, significantly expensive. We don't track you. We don't do anything with your data. We don't tell nobody nothing. Mob phone. That's what I'd call it. I didn't see nothing. Um, but that's something else. Even with the damn phone off. Well, in airplane mode. Yeah. So it's just a measure. It's just you're constantly being informed on all the time. How is how do they collect that much information with all with the idea of being able to target advertise me yet the advertisements are still so bad for a pair of shoes I bought last year I'm still getting all the ads I mean how how is the advertising not improved well that's they're missing the I already have one principle which we've discussed before how well, many lawnmowers do I need well right so yeah. you uh, you've done a good job of collecting g- g- gazillions he's of- into lawnmowers he needs to cut his lawn. Yeah, you buy one lawnmower every twenty years. Right. I bought one, so yeah. So, yeah. but and again, the companies having that—that's one thing. But the government accesses that, as we found out the other day, pretty much any time they want to. Mm. Google um, gives over the information when asked eighty percent of the time. That's their own figures. Well, we swear we'll get to the post-truth world before the end of the hour. Some examples: what it means, why you care, why you should care. What's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Well, Facebook is outraged by the company's misuse of data to target their customers. Meanwhile, you got an undercover camera catching Cambridge Analytical executives talking bribes and sex workers. Honeypots! Stories coming up minutes from now, Armstrong and Getty. Yeah, Marshall, don't go right to the VJJ. Yes, Jack, I'd it. ask you of the same no. the same thing. Straight to the sex. No, this is about data. This is about consumer and this is about privacy. Hoes, pull yes. up your pants and listen to me. Yeah, it's old school, man. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Yet another sign. Uh, yeah, sorry, yet another sign of the late stages of syphilis. Governor Jerry Brown of California screeching obscenities at critics of the bull spit train. The crony express. This is bullish. I'm tired of all the nonsense that I read in the paper and hear from other politicians, he said. More on that to come. Sorry, also, Jerry. We're on to your giant, historic ripoff of the people. Sorry to offend you by calling you on it. Also, I was looking at the front page of the USA Today doing the always cute putting women's NCAA tournament on the front page with a big picture as if anybody cares or is paying any attention to try to be all fair and virtue signal that mm. it's just as important as the men's tournament. Did anybody even know the women's tournament was going on? I could have guessed it was. I, I would have assumed, but I hadn't thought about it. All right, nice job, USA Today. You showed us you care. Um, let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. Well, very officially, very publicly, the company is shocked. Facebook's Vice President of Global Marketing, Carolyn Everson, tells ABC. We are unbelievably outraged and beyond disturbed at the allegations that data was misused or that our policies have been violated. Information from up to 50 million Facebook users harvested without their consent and used that information to target people for political ads. 
Everson says they have suspended the data analysis firm Cambridge Analytica and have installed measures to prevent a repeat. So here's the question I have that I don't quite understand. So that guy that um, uh, that helped get Trump elected, m- m- working with Facebook. Remember when we saw him on 60 Minutes? What's his name, Sean? Yeah, he, oh, he's Trump now just, the... Uh, Trump the, just named the, him campaign, campaign manager, manager right. for 2020. Oh, right, that right, right. Dude. Yeah. That That's dude. His, yeah. So his whole thing was Facebook offers up this information to everyone. They offered it to Hillary Clinton. Brad she, Parscale. Brad yeah, Parscale. Brad. Hillary Clinton didn't use it for some reason. We used it. They give you all kinds of... Uh, analytics about all the people out there, and you can target your ads to them. Is that what we're talking about? Not, is it this stuff, or is this something completely different than that? Beyond. Yes, they yes. allegedly were conducting an academic study, mm-hmm. and they got uh, how many Facebook users was 270, it? Two hundred seventy thousand to say, "All right, I'll participate in this academic study." But then uh, I've only heard this reported once or twice. They took all that data, then they accessed all the contacts, all the yes. friends of those people, and dove into their private information, their data. Okay, so and then, so they collected enormous amounts of information but then, about so enormous numbers Trump of people. But then, so what's the Trump angle? Just that the Trump people used they it? They had hired them. And Hillary didn't yeah. use it. Right, exactly. Obama famously employed all of these data-gathering yeah. tools as well, and, and was hailed for it, how smart and modern it was. This is not about freaking Trump. This is about big tech yep. and their willingness to look into your panty drawer to figure out whatever they can sell. And it would seem to me what's going to happen in the future is not less of this. Now both candidates are going to use it from now on. Right. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, this Cambridge Analytica, either without Facebook's knowledge or with it, broke all sorts of rules and got all sorts right. of data they weren't entitled to. It's a little difficult for me, partly because I don't know enough about tech, but partly because I'm skeptical to think that this company somehow accessed millions of people's of, uh, worth of data without Facebook's knowledge. Right. Do you have any, How did they do that? Do you have any belief that, that, that there's just any slowing this down? I don't. I just, I just think it's just going no. to be. We're either, they're either going to do it without our knowledge um, completely, or we'll, we'll find out years later, and so we'll, we'll know, but they did it. We, we always find out later that the NSA or Google or whoever's doing this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, journalists or whistleblowers or whatever tell us, the people that, that put it in motion don't tell us. Well, I, I don't see any reason why they're not just going to keep doing it. Well, you have that. And also, the good guys are always a step behind the bad guys. I mean, maybe Facebook will put up fences now so that the Cambridge right. Analyticos of the world can't access this information. Wow. Well, Cambridge Analytica just hired a, another pink-haired guy with a nose ring and a list <laughs> to see if, if he can hack past those offenses. And he will. He, I don't know if it's well, fair maybe to Maybe a 400-pounder yeah. on his bed, Mr. President. I don't know if it's fair to say bad guys, because they, they all yeah. think they're good guys, and uh, depending well, on your know. point yeah. of view. I think anybody who's getting information that I don't want you to have is a bad guy, but they all think they're doing good. Cambridge Analytica supposedly was able to sway elections in Africa and in Mexico. That's part of their claim to fame. And the execs at Cambridge were caught on camera in an undercover investigation suggesting the company could use sex workers and yes. bribes to yes. help candidates. Old school. This is not mining data. This is mining. Uh, Find you know. some cocaine on those people. <laughs> so much for my detailed analysis of the world attack. Britain's Channel 4 News had a reporter posing as a representative of a wealthy Sri Lankan family with political ambitions. They had several meetings. The Cambridge executives, including the CEO, Alexander Nix, showed up to talk about entrapment 
tactics that could be used against political foes, like offering bribes and having the exchange reported and posted online. And the operative you will use for this is who? Well, someone named to us. Okay, so it is somebody. You won't use a Sri Lankan person, no, because no, then there's issues. No, no, we'll, we'll have a wealthy developer come in, somebody posing as a wealthy developer. I'm a master of disguise. Yes. <laughs> they will offer um, a large amount of money to, to the candidate. Offering large amounts of money to the candidate. Or Nick suggests they could send in sex workers to an opponent's home to create a sex game. To their home? That's just an idea. Yes. Say, yeah. can bring some Ukrainians in on, okay. on holiday with us. You know? Right, right, right. Yes. They are very beautiful Ukrainian girls. They are very Very beautiful Ukrainian girls. Look, I'm not cheating on my wife if she approaches me at a bar, but you send her to my home, I'm I'm definitely not going to. (laughs) Honey, honey, how soon will you be home? Well, I'm on my way, about 20 minutes, I guess. There's a whore here, says you ordered her. Uh, No. Here's the message, and this has always been true. If a woman out of your league approaches you and wants to have sex with you, something's up. Right. Yeah, those push-ups are finally paying off. <laughs> this right. isn't That's what's up. Yeah. This I've isn't finally t- gotten the right hairstyle. <laughs> this Got this new t- underwear on. I'm walking with a little bit of swagger for the first time. Oh, no. Come on. She's, I'm her type. That's what's going on. Don't be so stupid. This isn't your lucky day. You didn't, you didn't just finally hit upon that one she, person on planet Earth who thinks you're hot. She probably follows me on Twitter, sees me landing these jokes constantly. Right. Right! Uh, Yes! Meanwhile, after that report aired last night, Cambridge Analytica denied the allegations claiming the reporters tricked them. And they never had any intentions well, of yeah, using the tactics. Well, yeah, that's exactly what they did. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. They never, so that, that, which, could, which could be true. They realized something was crazy going on, and so they just kind of went along with it. So we send the Ukrainian girls, okay? Get her hot, really, really hot. And then what happens? I mean, <laughs> right. On the other hand, it looks like Cambridge Analytica is a company you want on your side, man. They can do anything <laughs> yeah, for you. Pretty much. I've yeah, applied hey. several times. <laughs> I saw a guy with long sideburns in Canton, Ohio once. Figure out what's going on with him. And, oh, by the way, discredit my opponent with some whores. You got it, Joe. We're on it. That's it. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. The Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. You're middle-aged. You're not in good shape. You're wearing your dad jeans, and some 20-year-old hot Ukrainian chick comes up to you and wants to have sex with you. Oh, you something, are very hot, I see. Something's <laughs> up, okay? Have a nose for this sort of thing. I would want you? to be sleeping with you right now. You idiot. <laughs> wow. Whatever happens, yes. if you fall for that, you deserve it. It's called getting lucky. <laughs> this is you when you wake up in a tub of ice with your kidneys gone. <laughs> no, that's a different thing, Michael. Yeah. All right, the post-truth world, what does it mean? Great examples for you, both sides of the aisle. Why are people doing it? These are ugly and confused times, my friends. So somebody texted, does that mean Hillary turned down the game-winning data option twice? Against Obama and against Trump? She was going to do it the old school way. And the Oh, man. And we got to get to the thing she said about women voters. Oh, yeah. We well, got that. See, the thing you have to remember about Hillary Clinton is she's really bad at politics. <laughs> yes. She's perhaps yes. the worst yes. candidate ever. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Here's a good tease for you. We'll pay this off at some point. Who knows? In 15 minutes or a week from now. But 
Um, what percentage of millennials fully expect the next generation to have emotional relationships with robots? <laughs> Stay right. tuned for that. Something to look forward to. So maybe you've heard the term a post-truth world. You know, there have always been lies and uh, lying in politics, of course. And, you know, I saw this piece in the Wall Street Journal that I'm going to quote in a couple of minutes. Um, but they talk about in ancient Greece, uh, Plato railing against uh, people who are lying in front of the Senate or whatever and, and trying to get their policies through. So it's ancient. But there's kind of a new thing going on that's interesting. Um the Trump tweet storm the other day. Uh, well, I tell you what, let's use bipartisan examples of it. Um, and I thought I had the Trump tweet in front of me. Um, dang it. I was sure I had it. Uh, blah, 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 blah. He's talking about how the... God dang it. Come up with Trump's latest tweets about, um, about uh, the Mueller investigation. Because he's talking about how it's a witch hunt. And there are seven big Hillary contributors, um, and no no Republicans. Yeah. Well, Trump has to know there are seven Republicans. We'll start with Mueller. And Mueller is a Republican. He's a lifelong Republican, yeah. So Trump made that claim knowing it's not true. You think he knew? Well, either he did or he's an ignoramus. And, I mean, it's just it's so easy to find that information. You know, Brett Baer on Fox News has reported it. He's not one of the opinion shows. He's a news show. But it doesn't matter because, you know, we've talked to political consultants. We had a great conversation with... 13 of the 17 members have previously registered as Democrats. Correct. Four have no affiliation or could not be found, is the truth, according to the Washington Post. Right. And the rest seem to be Republicans, including Mueller himself. Now, that's not to say that there's not a reason to look into people and whether they have biases or whatever, but what Trump said is demonstrably false. Um, And what was I leading up toward? I can't remember. Lost my train of thought. Anyway, so that's absolutely false. And and maybe he knows it's false. And, oh, that's right, our conversation with Charles Krauthammer in which he was talking about, hey, listen, the ugliness and stupidity of elections is how good policy gets passed. You have to get down in the muck and engage in the crap and get the, the hoi polloi, get the rabble to, to show up at the polls. Um, And the way you do it is sometimes a little difficult to defend, morally speaking. So, all right, so that's just the way it is. So Trump is saying that stuff. You flip over to MSNBC, and they are saying stuff about the Andrew McCabe stuff that's absolutely laughable. They're saying, this great man who, who investigated 9-11 and saved us from terrorists, his dismissal is an assault on democracy. It's tearing up the Constitution. After a lifetime of public service, he doesn't get his pension. Right. Although he is going to get it. And somebody just texted me he's got a net worth of $11 million. I haven't verified that. that well, could that be may me. or may not be true, too. Right. It's a post-truth world. Sure. You throw stuff out there like that to try to sway opinion. We have listeners on the right who are, to me, because I, I, if it seems the least bit fishy to me, I check. They're constantly feeding us stuff that I know they know is fake but they're hoping we say it on the air okay to gotcha. sway public opinion gotcha to okay. move the needle because and i've read you know the political theory about this if you 
put on your starched white shirt and your Sunday shoes and hold your pinky in the air and engage in populist politics or mass politics and say, I will never mislead. I will never be rude or or unseemly in any way. You're going to get swept away by the tide of bull ass. You don't have a chance is the opinion. Especially these days. So you engage in the wild crap, even though you know it's crap, to move the needle. But the interesting thing about this Wall Street Journal article, I thought, was pointing out what it's, what's happening culturally. And the, uh, the writer of this piece, who I'll credit later, but I'd have to scroll upwards, which is why I like paper. Anyway. Says, consider two different propositions from opposite ends of American politics. Number one, the only way to stop violent crime is to allow citizens to arm themselves. Okay, nice right-wingy thing to say. Or two, for a person of privilege to make creative use of the culture of the underprivileged is an act of aggression and abuse. The cultural appropriation thing. Oh, some people tried to get started the idea that Bruno Mars was a cultural appropriator. Got shot down pretty much, pretty quickly by a bunch of black guys who said, shut up, you're an idiot, which gratified me. But anyway, so the information that we glean from these statements isn't really about the topics, gun control or cultural appropriation. It's about the political identity of the speaker. Such assertions are tribal banners. And offering counter evidence isn't likely to get you very far. The guy makes the point that if you say something like, human actions have no impact on global warming, that's a tribal banner. You're signaling to people, I'm this sort of person, I'm with you. Or on the other side, Genetically engineered crops are unsafe for humans and animals, even though there are exhaustive studies by the greatest bodies of science known to mankind, concluding that there is no such evidence. But here's the interesting part. The more ridiculous the claim, like the GMO thing, the more ridiculous the claim, the more effective it is as a tribal banner. And so the more anxious people are to... Uh, to uh, embrace them and spout them out. If I said something that is, you know, 97% true, I mean, it's just ever so slightly right-wingy, but, I mean, there's all sorts of evidence out there. That wouldn't do me any good as a tribal banner. It's got to be something crazy. So if you've got um, a, a couple of people and you're looking for somebody to lead your point of view, you've got the person that says stuff that's, 100% true, you ignore them. Right. You got the person that says... They're too wishy-washy. You, you got the person that says stuff that's 75% true. You kind of like them. They're on your side. And then you got the person that makes crap up. You'll go with the one that makes crap up. Partly because you have absolutely no doubt they're on your side. Even though you know they're making it up. You right. just are fully confident that they're on your side. Right. They are okay. clearly a member of your tribe. That's really interesting. So did yeah. Trump know that? Did, does he have like did he have a, a, a data on that or does he just intuitively know that I've always thought he intuitively knows that is a a, a shameless aggressive and successful self promoter shouldn't just use Trump because Nancy Pelosi does it too I mean oh my God all the time the woman is completely insufferable she wouldn't know the truth if it kicked her in her skinny ass but uh, and I don't really? recommend kicking the old by the way well, that's good to know under any circumstance that's good that's a good standard. I appreciate your uh, your encouragement. Um, so I found that really interesting. Wow, that's troubling. Well, it is. It is. But it makes perfect sense. You know, it, I know I think, I'm thinking about it in a business setting. I've always wondered about bosses who succeed by saying stuff that's just so rosy. Right. I mean, it's just like, yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And I think, no, we're not. 
but people follow him. It's because the, the, he's he or she has made it clear they're one hundred percent on our side. Yeah, it's, even though we know what they're saying can't be true. It's like virtual virtue signaling. It's a tribal signaling. And again, the more ridiculous the claim, the more effective it is, which is really, really interesting what am and I, troubling. What am I supposed to do with this information? In the world of mass media, good luck. You just got to become a flaming skeptic like myself. Wow. Relationships with robots and other stuff on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.